But there is a reason why, for example, the like the local community that we work with, like on the other side of the world, is our own community. Like we we know what's going on there, and even that space we tread very carefully and come in with a sense of um, just like I think. Uh, a, a sense of humility knowing that we are much more privileged than the rest of the members of like that school for example like that those girls have different life opportunities different life experiences different um yeah socioeconomic uh, like you know ex- like yeah circumstances that impact the way that they make decisions in life and we we being like not only just um privileged in that community but also you know coming here to Canada there's like so many levels of opportunities that we have that they don't and so it's very easy for us to say you know what it's so important for you to have an education but we need to make it very clear that there's these benefits to them or you know what is going to come to them that's going to help them f- put food on their tables or be sustainable in that sense Hello, everybody. Welcome to Different Boat, Same Storm, a video podcast aimed at killing empathy amidst this global pandemic. We're so excited to be welcomed by new guests today, students at the University of Toronto, just like Atharv and I. They're also fellow students in the Peace, Conflict and Justice program. Uh, we're very grateful today to be joined by Miriam and Nival Rahman. Uh, they're amazing activists. They're really cool people. And they're also twins. Uh, Miriam and Naval, it's so great to have you on the show today. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having us. We're doing well um, and hope you all are too. We are. Might I say this is the first time that we're having two guests at the same time. But I, I, for some reason, when I think Miriam, I think Naval. When I think Naval, I think Miriam. Y- y'all are just so inseparable, even in class, I remember. Because our interactions, as I mentioned, even though we're in the same program, we've never properly physically met each other just because of the way this year has been so my our interactions with them have always been in a zoom call with both of them in the same screen and talking this coordinating manner which you will see today so this is very surreal yeah no i i think it's great just having everyone together today and again like mary minaval you are activists you run your own non-profit called the world with mnr and we'll get all into that uh, i'd love to start though i mean mary minaval how would you describe yourself to someone uh who doesn't know you and uh, again for us only interacting through this zoom screen uh yeah, yeah who are you Mm -hmm. Um, well thank you so much again for that introduction I think there's there's so many ways to describe like the work that we do but at the heart of it all I think we're 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 activists and like to be identified in that sense because so much of the work that we do is related to activism and raising awareness about different issues but we're also storytellers and we tell stories in different ways like through filmmaking and writing and photography and um you know as humans i think we're all storytellers in one way or another but um we've really embraced that in different aspects of our lives so i think those are just two main i guess uh, just ways that you could describe what we do um, but we're also like the co-founders of our own nonprofit, and um, really uh, excited to work always with young people in, you know, making a difference globally. So yeah, those are just some ways to introduce us. Wow. The way you just casually said that just goes to show the level of brilliance that we're dealing with here. And, and all of that is incredibly impressive. And I urge all of our viewers to check Maureen Manival's amazing work uh, 
out there. And I know that there's a lot there and we'll get into that. But one thing that you said really resonate with, resonated with me personally, and it's something that Different Mode Same Storm is all about, is this primal instinct of ours for stories, for storytelling. It's how we share with each other and it's how we learn from each other. And being able to harness that and tap into that and empower others to do the same is is a very noble cause. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I, I definitely agree with that as well. It's like um, storytelling and then the different mediums that we have available to us now to be able to tell these stories is so incredible too. Like, um, it's crazy to think that like two centuries ago, three centuries ago, like film didn't exist or like photography is so recent too. But now it's like such a um like integrated part of our society and there's so many different ways we can use it too but i think like the potential in that is really crazy but um yeah storytelling stretches back all the way um since like humanity but like um started and um yeah like i think it's it's still a really powerful tool that we can use in so many different ways now and its applications can vary from just like you know, this desire to like learn from each other and about each other, but then it has applications in like activism as well that can be really powerful and meaningful too. So I think in exploring that, that's been really interesting for us as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I think storytelling, again, like Atarf said, it, it is primal and it's something that we all like to do. We like telling stories about ourselves and others. And uh, you, you both have been able to do so through filmmaking, through documentary. So uh, you, you call yourself activists and we recognize that you're amazing activists. Uh, how did you get involved in this activism journey when you were young? Uh, and, I, and I know you started at a very young age. What brought you to that field? And how has that process been of developing over time with that, um, with that lens of looking at the world as activists? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so we actually started our journey when we were eight years old. And um, so we grew up in Pakistan until we were on five, moved to Canada. Um, and when we say Pakistan, we also mean like uh, Azad Kashmir, like really different places, but um, really similar as well in some ways. Uh, and so I think it was during um, we had like a strong connection to both areas, like even though, though we were like immigrants to Canada and really loved this place as well. And I think it was that process of like knowing that another world exists or like a place where there's, you know, the social issues in Pakistan and Azad Kashmir as well are just so, it, it, they appear more, much more commonly. And so you can see them a lot more commonly. And that's the, that's the same for many um, uh, countries that are not as wealthy as Canada or the United States around the world. And I, that, I think that was important, though, for us to know that from a very young age, that there's people who have, you know, less access to opportunities than us, who are less privileged than us. And knowing that it's not it, it's um it's not okay for that to be the case like we need we have a responsibility to take action we have a responsibility to give back to those who don't have the same uh, you know resources as us um and so it was during our trip to pakistan when we were eight uh, as i mentioned that um we visited a girls school in our village in pakistan that our grandmother had donated the land to build and um she really believed in girls education like there was a boys school in the village but um the girls didn't have that available to them and she had this dream to make sure that the girls went to school as well and when we visited that school we met these other young girls who had the same dreams and hopes and aspirations as us like some of them wanted to become teachers some of them wanted to become doctors but um as we were having these discussions some of them told us they were going to quit school when they reached grade five and that was that was so shocking to us um like it was 
I think at the time because like coming in from Canada like um school was something you don't you don't quit school right like that's something that was a privilege for us to recognize at the time um but learning from those girls like we wanted to make sure that they uh continue their education in whatever way they could and you know just spending a lot of time learning about why like it was uh, it was not like um like I guess, I guess as we grew older too like we recognized there's lots of stereotypes about like Pakistan or like countries um like lower income countries like that or rural communities um like the one we were in and so thinking that like oh the parents are doing that on purpose they just don't want their girls to have just equal opportunities as boys but that's not the case it has to do with um it affects like lack of access to education affects boys and girls but perhaps girls most more profoundly because of like um an intersection of multiple issues so um you know like it, poverty is one of the major issues like not being able to um think in the long term because you have to think about how to put food on the table that day and so recognizing that um but also like figuring out how do we make this a viable option or how do we like work with the parents and their girls to um uh you know present this as like an opportunity where you just even like if they completed into like grade 12 like this happened like or, i guess organically that like, there was like a factory that was built in the village where it's like um they were offering like jobs for it was like better paid jobs but you need to have like at least 12 years of education to work there and it wasn't like um like bad working conditions it was like a decent job to have but even like showing them that opportunity like this is like if you can't like think about about like bigger opportunities like you know like becoming like a doctor or a teacher or something like if that seems out of reach like um using examples like that factory and being like that's like a really well paid opportunity and there's you can have 12 years of education and go there and so um like working with the parents and the communities like in that way like uh was really important for us and every time we would go on family trips um i'm sure like you both know as well i'm not sure if you've been to india or like um in like the south asia region but like family is super important and you have to visit them all the time so we would go and like our family would be waiting at home and they're like and but we're running off to the school we're like yeah we'll meet you later so we got on um a lot of people would have complaints about that but like um for us like the school and the community members were um so important for us and often like taking time off school was difficult and so we would we wouldn't have that much time in Pakistan and so we had to make the most of it um but yeah that's that's how we spent our like quite a few years now and every time we go back like uh, some of those girls have actually gone on to high school cuz um we're around the same age and then uh, younger girls were working with them as well doing workshops and and um speaking about different things but that's sort of like where it all began and that's where our activism journey began yeah look oh i i don't mean to break away from that very very meaningful monologue but when you said the whole piece of that family super important it just every time i go back home that's that's really my my trip back home is more so just a checklist of all the people that i need to touch really touch is probably the best way to say it and i need to touch in my trip otherwise the trip is not complete De- definitely resonate with that and it, it is so tough and like people get angry and they're just like um and we obviously care about them deeply and want to spend time with them as well but we're like you guys you guys can all just come to our house instead of having us go to different places and then we meet everyone in like a couple of days um and yeah spend a lot of time at the school which is i mean our parents are like the, and they also have to like i guess deal with a lot of like the the family members and things like that like who are like you know where are they where where are they going and like we just i we care deeply about this so i think it was just it is a challenge definitely and finding that balance um is uh, is tough sometimes but yeah 
I feel like I might be the most distant, but still connected to this issue. Like I was 11 months old when my family and, and I moved from India here to, uh, to Vancouver. Uh, and I think I was seven or six or seven the first time I went to Amritsar in India. Uh, and yeah. we met so many people and I was just like, why do we have to go to everyone's place? And I, I like, I, I totally resonate with what you're talking about though, Nivala and Miriam. And uh, I guess I'll let Atharv ask a question on this, but like, you know, looking at something that you're totally not used to. Um, and in my case, I was looking at pollution there and uh, garbage. And I was just like, why is it like, why is it there? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Atharv, growing up in, in India and being in Mumbai till you were 18 years old, what was like, what is your experience navigating these different areas of the world kind of been like? Yeah, for sure. And I'm so glad you brought that up because that it's funny how even though I've spent most of my life there in the two years that I've been away now, and even by away, I mean, I'm studying here. Uh, I haven't properly moved. It's, it, it's so starkly different. And I, I think having that perspective of, ha of growing up in my home in that manner where I'm physical, I'm physically in the same place that I'm culturally from. But at the same time, growing up in Mumbai, which is not where most of my family was from, and being distanced even in a more local setting, sort of gave me both perspectives in a way. And I think there is an opportunity there because it allows you to look at matters and identify gaps that somebody who's deep within would probably not realize and recognize, and I'm sure all of you re resonate with that as well. But at the same time, I think what you was talking about earlier, the cultural nuances that you just miss out on if you're just looking at it from the outside, if you're not embedded in the communities that you're seeking to serve and help and empower, there is that disconnect. And I think that speaks to a larger gap that we see in development. And I know we're all interested in this space, so we know exactly what you know exactly what I'm talking about, where this white man's burden or this disconnect that is so evident between those with the resources and the willingness to help and those that they're trying to help. Uh, and I'm curious as to where you found yourself in that spectrum and, and, how, and if and how you navigated uh, that gap. Yeah, and it, that is so real. And also, like, as we've grown up, like, um, also, like, we d we've done a lot of work here in Canada as well with different organizations and have navigated, like, you know, what they do and who they are in different ways. And as we've gone into university as well, we did a course last year, actually, on rethinking development. It was so, it was so meaningful. Um, but thankfully, we had been very careful since the beginning. And we actually watched this documentary called Poverty, Inc. very early on in our... Um, in our activism journey of like, you know, starting our nonprofit and things. And we're so grateful for that because we were super intentional about the work that we did. Um, but there's a reason why, for example, the like the local community that we work with, like on the other side of the world is our own community. Like we, we know what's going on there. And even that space, we tried very carefully and come in with a sense of um, just like, I think, uh, a, a sense of humility knowing that we are much more privileged than the rest of the members of like that school for example like that those girls have 
different life opportunities, different life experiences, different, um, yeah, socioeconomic, uh, like, you know, like, yeah, circumstances that impact the way that they make decisions in life. And we we being like not only just um privileged in that community but also you know coming here to Canada there's like so many levels of opportunities that we have that they don't and so it's very easy for us to say you know what it's so important for you to have an education but we need to make it very clear that there's these benefits to them or you know what is going to come to them that's going to help them f- put food on their tables or be sustainable in that sense so um i think yeah that's something that we recognize a lot and so that's why the work of the world of them in our um we work like in our uh, in our local community in Pakistan, um, and then also like the rest of the work we do is advocacy or policy related because we recognize that like local initiatives can only do so much. They can improve the community, but unless you change the systems that are creating inequalities, that are creating these discrepancies in society that, um, you know, prevent a lot of individuals from having opportunities and the resources that they need, um, we're not going to be able to make sustainable impact and sustainable changes. So we we tread very carefully and also very intentionally in that space of being an advocacy organization, uh, raising awareness on social media, encouraging other young people to make a difference, but also being very careful not to have all of these like international projects like you know that project system as well it doesn't necessarily help communities because if you don't know what's going on if you're not there a lot of the time you're not checking in um you know the the i guess like development work has not taken the route that it needs to and we need to really shift towards making system chains so that goes for climate change as well as just like other development work and solving poverty and girls education as well but Mm -hmm. and i think on the last note with regards to this it's like not coming in with like uh, um you know a feeling of like you know i i know better or i know more than you therefore you should listen to me and all the things i have to say it's more coming from a perspective of like you know the situation is not the best like i don't understand it but i want to learn from you and then we come up with like a common goal like if this is something that you really want to do and like obviously like people like um, they want to send their daughters to school. They want them to have a good education access, just like we do over here, and they have a right for that. And so, like you know, really working with them to make sure that we um, are like working in collaboration, not like in uh, in like um, in conflict with them or in a position of like I'm in power in here or like yeah in a hierarchy. Like I'm the powerful one, and like you listen to me. So really avoiding that. Uh, and I think in development work and things even just like this idea of development, like I'm here to help you develop, like what does that even mean? And what standards are we looking at? And so we're really critical about a lot of these things. And so um, just figuring out the best way forward, it's, it's so difficult, but we're very careful about it. And I think the, the best way forward is the policy change because that's on a larger scale, things that are gonna help people because this is gonna get into a lot of like different issues, but there's so many problems with a lot of the systems in place. And so helping address those as well is important. Absolutely. Like you need to target the underlying issues and you need to work with people on that as well. And when you're working with people in local communities, it's not about imposing your will on them, imposing your standards of development, like you said. Uh, And it's not about imposing those standards on people, but it's working with them, understanding what their concerns are and finding ways that you can um, empower them to make the change that they see best fit for their communities. I think that's such an important model of change, especially as, I mean, all of us and many of our listeners head into the development space in the future. I think it's super important. And uh, Miriam and Naval, you both touched on your work in the world with MNR. Uh, it's such an amazing title to the world with MNR. 
I, I'm so curious and I'd love to learn like what is the world with MNR? And so we kind of heard how it started, your initial roots of becoming engaged in activism. What has it become and what are some highlights of the things that you've been able to accomplish as a team? Yeah, for sure. Um, so the world of them in R is um, our, it started off as a YouTube channel actually. So what had happened when we came back from Pakistan during a trip in 2015 was that our grade eight teachers had nominated us for the Governor General's Caring Canadian Award, and we had no idea about this. We came, we come home, and like a couple months later, we're gone to high school, and we just we receive the award and get all this attention, um, and like a lot of young people asking us like, what can we do to make a difference? And so what we um decided to do was use social media in a really meaningful way and intentional way to you know guide people into uh, do uh, you know making a difference in, in their own communities like learning how to take action in um yeah in meaningful ways things like that it started off as just like a youtube channel where we attended like several events um like the social good summit by the un and mashable in new york city that was like our first ever event um we also like eventually as we started doing this we would do things in our school clubs as well and take videos of like the initiatives that we were running and um organizations like the Malala Fund saw our work and one of the most incredible opportunities that we had was um, our first ever live interview was with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and Malala Yousafzai. Um, as we went on then we uh, we also got an opportunity to become filmmakers in Disney and the UN Girl Up campaign's Dream Big Princess project. Um, and I think as we went on and on we were moving beyond just being social media related and we wanted to run our own projects like otherwise as well we did do projects and things but wanted to formalize it and so after like many like i think it was four or five years of just doing this work um we decided to become a registered nonprofit in 2019 and following that there has been i guess like a a really um we we take action basically for gender equality climate justice and inclusivity through things like um uh, like storytelling and advocacy and other uh, projects and initiatives that we run so those vary tremendously but we have had an opportunity to work with young people around the world even more organizations that are doing incredible work um and just really expand the work that we're currently doing into you know other meaningful ways so sometimes we do like a video series or a documentary that we create other times we'll do like a like a really major um, uh, advocacy initiative like Femme Carta, which is the world's first digital advocacy tool that aims to make gender equality a policy priority globally. So it just really varies the work that we do, but um, it's super aligned with uh, what our mission has been all along. And um, again, we always like the, the local work that we do. It's either like here in our community here in Bowmanville, where um, we got involved with our local like chapter of the Blue Dot campaign, for example. Like that's just like one of the things that we did here. But or also like in our community in Pakistan, always just go back to that. But other than that, love connecting with um, young people around the world, supporting them in their initiatives, just really listening to them and seeing what they're doing. Um, I guess like the latest addition to that was our youth and activism community, which is now spread to like more than 100 countries and has like over 2000 members, which we're really excited about. But those are like a lot of youth organizations that are just doing their own work and we support them as like a an existing organization and providing uh, just like uh, like support in like sharing their initiatives, um, getting them to connect with each other, finding, yeah, just like the 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 relevant things that they can be supported and so there's a lot that, that we do there's i don't think there's like a simple way to describe it but we just do whatever our heart tells us to do and you know i think that's what's uh, the biggest thing about the organization that's a big big world you've got going on there <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow 
I'm, just, I'm, I'm taking a while to process all that. The fact that... <laughs> yeah, sorry, that was a little fast. No, 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 you don't have to be sorry at all. Uh, I feel like if you'd gone any slower, we'd just have to end the episode there. <laughs> uh, the fact that Disney had mentioned there, and that wasn't even one of the highlights, it was just nonchalantly put out there, <laughs> is just fascinating to me. I, I'm curious, I mean, this is all incredible work. And I, I can't state that enough, and I will continue stating that through the rest of this conversation. Have there been moments where, you know, you've, I, I personally find this where I'm doing work that I'm just constantly doing and doing, and often I, I, I fail to realize how far I've come or the impact that the work has had. Have there been any moments where that has really been reinforced or you've really felt that, that catharsis, if I may put it that way? of all the amazing things that you're doing. I think with us, we, uh, like, as things are happening, like, I feel like even in the moment, we're like, uh, we don't let it sit in, or, um, like, for example, like, our, Naval mentioned our interview with Prime Minister Trudeau and Malala, like, at the time, we were, I think it was, it was our first live interview, like, before then, we're used to, like, like 50 takes and then we'll edit it and everything and even if that's not good we'll just refilm like we were not used to doing things live um now we're now we're used to that but that was at the very beginning so like when we were doing that the way that we were able to move on with the interview and like still do a like a decent job was because we um, didn't let it sit in we're like we can't think that we're doing this right now because that's like that's too much and that's like we're gonna freak out and it's live and whatnot it's not gonna be good so um even at the moment we were like telling each other like in order to stay like professional and to make sure that we're doing a good job is thinking like you know this is our like uh, th this is our job right now we need to make sure that we're doing uh, like and we can't think of them as like you know this is Prime Minister Trudeau and Malala and really get let that get to our heads so what we did and what our um like we, we were just like telling each other that and so even in the moment we're not we're not thinking about it and then after that we're sort of it's just moved on and there's like a whirlwind of things that you do and so you forget about it then too so I'm not saying that we don't like appreciate the things that we're doing or live in the moment like very rarely we do have those conversations where we're just like did we do that or like did that actually happen or we'll watch back a video or something or somebody will talk about it and then it'll sort of register but we're i think we're the kind of people who like things happen and we're we're super grateful and it's such a an amazing experience but especially when it's like those things that are like high stakes like we don't let it get to our heads and we don't really think about it and then later on we sort of like forget about thinking about it too so yeah. I well, feel like there's well, like some th yeah I'm, I feel like there's certain things where there's like a peak of like oh my god this is so exciting and then you just have to you have to let that go because you're gonna make mistakes then <laughs> things like that and so yeah. I think also the fact that we're um the fact that we're students really makes uh, things like so I it just we have so many things going on in our minds I remember when we even when we were um doing our work with Disney and filming and things like that like first of all like that was a dream come true and like the most I'm not trying to sound cliche because it's Disney and like dreams and things like that also the campaign is called dream big princess but in the we were always unapologetic like Disney fans like people would like as we were growing up like I, I just remember this very vividly that the, we um I had told a girl about in my class about like did you watch this new like Disney movie it was like enchanted had come out at that time and the girl just like looked at me and like the most like 
I don't know, just... You were in grade five. The yeah, I was in grade five, and she looked at me, and she said, um, and she said, I don't watch princess movies. And I was just like, what? Why don't you watch princess movies? And I love princess movies, and I was just... I, I was like, okay, like, whatever. And um, I just, I think I we stayed true to ourselves and just loving things like, you know, Disney unapologetically. And later on, like, lo- look at where we were. Like, we were working with Disney, redefining what it means to be a Disney princess in such a meaningful way. But so that whole project was just like, I think there were so many things that were just, they just keep on giving you surprises and it's so overwhelming. Um, and then you have to speak to your parents a lot because that just like, <laughs> I think that makes it a lot more. Like we'll talk to each other, but even, but we just, you know, it doesn't register for us. And on top of all of that, like we're literally like going on our trips, like doing our shoots and things like that. And we have to study for a test or we have to prepare a presentation. Like we're in the hotel um, and everyone on the shoot knows as well that like, you know, we have a test coming up and, um, you know, some of them, I remember one of the times that we were doing a shoot, not necessarily for this, but for something else, like a lady that knew, like she had done calculus in like high school as well. We weren't doing calculus, but we were doing like a math test for another thing. She was like, I can help you. And like, just people, I think it's just, it's very clear that we're students. And so even if we're super excited about something, there's that anxiety of like, oh my God, I have a test coming up and now I'm doing this and I have to focus on that. So I think that's also what distracts and keeps it away like from really registering what's going on. I think that's why we, we're so happy right now to have like this time off from school so we can just focus on this work um but I think the biggest thing for us is that there the the issues that we're trying to tackle like you know making gender equality a reality or you know achieving climate justice they're so big they're they're huge and if we keep on like um like there's no stopping right and it's almost as if we're like running out of time I don't know we we love to like just keep on pushing ourselves and doing more and more and more um obviously like mental health and taking care of yourself and slowing down sometimes is good as well and we've we've learned that the hard way but um we also have like after one thing happens we have like 50 other things in mind that we want to do um and we need to work towards and I think that's what really are we have like a like after one thing is we have another vision and we have another vision and we just we just keep on going after that so that was a long-winded way to answer your question but I think it revealed a lot about our journey and what it's been like so yeah totally totally I I think like what you said perfectly like you have so many visions of what you want to achieve and you've been able to do so much by acting on those visions like from Disney uh, to all the different campaigns that you talked about I think it's wonderful and again Merriman of all we've talked a lot about like the macro sense of things like the impact that you had uh, the big issues in the world like how we approach development and uh, gender equality and so many different issues I'm very interested so as someone with an older sibling Atarv I know you have a younger brother uh, what is it like working together as siblings and not just siblings as twins? Uh, are there ever times when you get competitive or uh, you want, you know, like the normal sibling things that happen? Like, do you guys fight with each other? How has that process been? Yeah, we, I feel like we've never like been competitive in the sense that like, so when we were growing up, we were, believe it or not, we were super independent. Like we, we had like different groups, groups of friends and stuff, maybe because we had like, they would always put us in different classes. So like, we up saw until, each other at home, but, like, at school, we were just kind of, like, hey, and then, like... Up until high school, we were literally, like, two separate, like... Two completely different yeah. people. The only thing that we did together, I guess, was, like, our work in Pakistan. Other yeah. than that, everything, like, here, Everything was super, super different and um, separated. And there wasn't a competition, but we were super, like, you know, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. And then we're twins, so, like, our... And 
same life experiences and everything so our interests sort of converged in high school and we started taking a lot of the same classes and then uh like world of mnr and everything so it just converged like that and it's been like there's no there, there's no competition but it's like we want to make sure that we're both if we're doing something we're both doing it together and so if one of us like gets something or does better than the other one like there's no like joy in that you're just like you want the other person to do just as well or be doing the same thing and so there are like independent things like we're working over the summer and we have different jobs like that's that's fine but it's like both of us need to have a job you know so it's like it's like that so we're sort of like aligning our experiences that way and it's so like uh when we think about our goals if we think about the things that we want to do it's like both of us it's very much like these are our goals not like my goal or her goal it's like what are the things that we want to do together and the it was at the beginning i think getting used to this mindset it took a lot of like conversations and like shift of mindset because we went from being like different people to like converging but now there's no there's not even a question about it where it's like it's both of our goals and we don't we don't even like talk about it in that sense anymore it's like so what do we want to do next and so like that so just as you would think about yourself you think about the other person too it's just like uh yeah like you you have like this other person that you're also like lifting up and supporting and we're doing we're in this together so i feel like that elevates yeah. our work a, a lot and uh, we're able to um get a lot more done in terms of like fights and things we don't we don't really fight we're just like we would have like I think the the thing that we do is like if we're working on a project together and we have like suggestions for like how to improve things, we're we're like super critical. Of each yeah, other. yeah, like, like no filter, no like, filter. Like, like no, this doesn't look good. Let's do it again. So, and, but that's good because it's like otherwise we'll put up like a resource or something and it doesn't look good. We're very design oriented and stuff. So if it's a bad design, then it's because we weren't able to tell each other. It's a bad yeah. Design. So we'll get like for example, if like yeah. one of us was working on a video and like the other one comes in and says like, oh, this is not good. This this this. Then like the person who was making it will get annoyed and be like oh i just spent so many hours like i'm not gonna do this anymore right now like but then the other person just makes the changes yeah so, so it's just i think we m most of the times like our arguments and things if there are any are about work related things or like just us being tired and um yeah it's just like like just simple things like that but m no like major fights or anything i think if we like the biggest i remember when you were younger um when we when we used to get into fights when you were younger like all siblings do and our biggest punishment though was not talking to each other so our parents would be like okay that's it you're not talking to each other and we'd be like begging our mom like please let us talk to each other um because and we never i don't think we ever said i'm not talking to you because like even if we did that like literally two seconds later we would find something that we have to talk about and it's just like i think that's the thing with i don't know how it is with other siblings because we've just never experienced that but like with twins like and our mom always says this now too like do you guys not get tired of talking and that's i think why we're super like i think um not just visual but just like open like we t think out loud and we think out loud like and hear feedback as well like whenever we're thinking about something we we just like always tell each other so we're talking all day long um and <laughs> yeah. i guess we're just used to that so we don't get tired but our parents are just like you guys talk so much to each other like all the time so i guess that's what our dynamic is like, like if we fought all the time then in addition to talking it just wouldn't work so i think like we get into small arguments and things sometimes but yeah it's nothing yeah i think it's more critical yeah and, and not like any competition or anything obviously because there is no like we're we're both there it together. wouldn't make sense like what what are you being competitive about like you're working together like i just don't know <laughs> yeah i think that's yeah. just how it is that's probably the healthiest way to go about it believe me i've encountered my fair share of sibling situations and that's probably the healthiest way to so kudos to you and <laughs>
you know, my mom keeps saying the same thing where my brother and I, we're, we're, we're like a year and a half apart. So it's kind of like a twin situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's mitigated. It's, it's even more murky uh, a difference because we're both boys. So, and we went to the same school and it was a really small school. So even like there's a lot of intersection in the people that we know as well. And they can't believe how much we talk, even though we're so different people. But, you know, speaking of being together all the time, I am very intrigued by what this past year has been for y'all. Because, sure, in a regular setting, y'all spend a lot of time together in home, at home, during all the work that you do, which is clearly a lot of work. And then you add the quarantining situation to this entire dynamic. And I'm curious as to what that has done to you professionally and all the activism work that you're doing and then also personally. Yeah, Yeah. there's, I think, so for us, actually, like, when we were, um, we used to, like, obviously be together all the time before, too, but, like, we were always on the go, and, like, there was things that we wanted to do, like, TV shows that we wanted to watch together that we didn't get a chance to watch, and so we would still, like, watch things, obviously, but um, I think that was the biggest thing, like, we love... Um, I think storytellers like consuming stories as well so we just we like like analyzing like how do they film this and like figuring it out after and like things like that so that was really fun at the beginning and still is like we've um have a lot more time to just like um watch tv and I think that's like that's something really good because we didn't have that much time before so we found a lot of joy in that um also we spent a lot of time going on walks together and really enjoyed that as well because a lot of times like we would we come up with ideas when we're the most stressed so we'll be like working on an essay and then we have like this idea for a project and we're like you know what just like it's like counterproductive um isn't that is that what it's called where you're like you're all you're being productive in like another way like you're procrastinating for the essay but you're gonna write down like that project idea so we had a lot of time like to work on that um and uh so instead of just like those moments of like stress we had like walks that we could go on and just like discuss for hours about um the things that we want to do and so this past year I think has really been about um like discussing like who we want to become in a very just like we have these conversations like every single week it changes but um I think it's good to have those reflections of our goals and like what we want to do and actually accomplish a lot of things as well some of our best ideas this year this past year have come from online like not just being online but like being offline actually and discussing with each other and like literally we've come up with names of projects from just going on a walk and just talking about it out loud um so the work that we've done has definitely been online we've done a lot of different initiatives and things but we've had to really think outside the box for how we can still be effective um in that space and um i think like yeah professionally it's been we've actually been able to reach a lot more people than we usually do because it's not just based in one community it's global and i think that's that's the beauty of being online also recognizing that like not everybody has that access um is is super important and then i think personally just it's it's been a relief to be at home spend time with our parents and um just not be running between buildings at school and university all the time so i think i think it's been really nice and we're we've been so grateful that um again we're we're in a place of privilege like there's a lot of people like much worse places to quarantine i would say yeah and also like just people have like a really tough time throughout the pandemic like so many things have happened people have gone through so much lost loved ones um and we've for the most part stayed pretty safe like um 
like yeah not much has happened like we're uh, we're really grateful for that and um yeah i think there's a lot to reflect on but uh, in terms of projects like some of the ones that we mentioned like feminine carta came out of the like during the pandemic and youth and activism also came during the pandemic that we created so yeah it's been it's been super busy um and there's like countless other ones that I'm just not going to get into cuz it's just I'll be listing all of them but um yeah it's been it's been really positive in that sense as well the impact we've been able to create you that sounds like a really productive pandemic if I can put it that way and I'm really happy for you because to be able to find that groove so to say in in an optimistic sense rather than just a a positive sense in a vacuum because understandably as you mentioned this is a very tough time and that's what this part this that's what sparked this podcast really it is something that i'm really really happy that you were able to do and it's commendable it's incredibly commendable and it takes a lot of courage and privilege at the same time and the fact that you recognize that privilege itself is a sign of maturity that uh role striving to inculcate within ourselves you know as and uh, i don't know take this with a grain of salt just because of the part of the world that we live in as we see a path beyond this pandemic in this side of the world where we are physically situated what hopes do you have for the future for yourself for the world of MNR and for everything else around you what are your hopes what are your aspirations and uh what are you looking forward to yeah we're um so this year like like Nimal mentioned it's been busier than we've ever been before so it's in that sense like we've made up for the um lack of in-person opportunities or access to those things but obviously recognizing that just because the pandemic seems to have paused like travel and all those types of things like the issues haven't stopped right so we've been like motivated to continue now it's going to be a matter of like um yeah finding opportunities if if there's like in person things we'd love to do that again and uh being able to like meet people in person that's just something we're really looking forward to continuing all our projects is going to be super important and then expanding the world of mnr's initiatives um in person too so just like uh, finding ways like we used to do like conferences and things and so like continuing those and i i, I just think that's very exciting what like we can turn like you know we've had this past year to reflect and create and start so many amazing things you know in like with different organizations and the work the people we've been, been able to work with have been incredible and so um you know continuing that work and hopefully like finding opportunities again like in person would be amazing and then also uh there's a lot more work to be done like you mentioned because like um you know this part of the world is like opening up and we're okay but like how do we make sure that like everybody gets to the stage again and we go back to a better like normal than like what what used to exist before because i feel like the pandemic has is like a reflection of society as it already was it wasn't anything like new per se because it's it was just a, again like a reflection of a lot of the flaws and issues that we already had and so how do we mitigate these issues how do we um continue working for a lot of these causes and it's just going to be a lot of that and then hopefully 
um, again, in person and traveling a lot more. Traveling a lot. Like, yeah, more. we that's, we used to um, like there were so many years where I feel like uh, before the pen, like in the lead up to the pandemic, we were like traveling like every couple of months or like several times a month, and it was just so much fun, uh, and we loved that. Like, love getting to see new cultures, new places, um, getting a chance to attend conferences in person, meet people in person, all those types of things, and um, slowly those opportunities are coming back. Like even now, as like people slow like carefully uh, open back up especially in the side of the world and hopefully we can do more of that um as the years come forward we definitely have a lot of plans for ourselves but uh yeah just really looking forward to that as well i think we really enjoy just getting out of our town every once in a while so and also going back to pakistan hopefully one yes, day yes. um like yeah. very soon and uh yeah we're just we haven't gone since 2019 so just really looking forward to it whenever we can so yeah yeah, I, I love the full connectedness of this conversation talking about, I mean, yeah, like as we wrap up really, like we've talked about everything from social impact in the world, what activism looks like in this new era of digital activism and change making. Uh, and again, Mary Mindeval, your your story is very inspiring because you saw a problem in a community that you were familiar with and you didn't impose your will on people, but you worked with people to create a change. You expanded that globally and it's so commendable all the great things that you've been able to accomplish. And uh, I, I love the second half of this discussion that we've had about like, as an individual or as individuals, uh, how have you fared during this time of pandemic? But as siblings, as twins, uh, what has that process of working together been like, you know, making time for care uh, and how taking breaks can actually lead to great ideas as well. Like, I love that discussion. And at the end here about like the future, I think, uh, as we all know, like there are so many things to continue to work on, uh, although the pandemic may be ending in Canada for all of us here. Um, you know, we, we, we still have so much work to do around the world to make sure people aren't left behind. But it's been such a pleasure talking to both of you. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you so much for having us. It was it was a joy to be here. Yeah. Well, folks, this has been another fascinating and immensely joyful episode of Different Boat, Same Storm with Mariam and Nival Raymond. We'll be back again next week. Different guest, same time, different boat, same storm. Mm-hmm.